The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with John Thomas Flynn, who is entirely responsible for its content. Welcome to Ask the CIO, SLED edition on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Now your host, John Thomas Flynn. Good day. As part of our state and local edition of Ask the CIO program, we will from time to time be focusing on the business problem that needed to be addressed. Today, we'll look at data analytics, as hot a technology issue as there really is out there. Because in the state and local environment, the data analytical challenges and opportunities involved often have life or death consequences, as we shall learn today from our guest, Dr. Perry Rosen. Dr. Rosen is project director of the Garrett Lee Smith Youth Suicide Prevention Grant. And that's an acronym I dare not even attempt. Keep it, keeping it simple, it's a federal Health and Human Services grant awarded to the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania Department of Health and Human Services. Perry is also a nationally certified psychologist and a Pennsylvania certified special education teacher. So welcome to the show, Perry. Thank you for having me. I, I'm, I'm glad to have you, and I know I didn't do justice to your experience and background. Tell us a little bit more, if you don't mind. So I've been a school psychologist for the past five years. Um, I've worked in different school buildings, K-12, supporting students and teachers. And uh, a few years ago, I came on board to this federal Garrett Lee Smith grant that's been awarded to the state of Pennsylvania. It's the Office of Mental Health and Substance Abuse Services that has this award. And this grant is focused on training, screening, and awareness activities to support uh, youth suicide prevention activities throughout the Commonwealth, and we're focusing specifically on school and college settings. Okay, well, why don't you tell us a little bit about the problems that your initiative is trying to address? I know from the uh, from the research that I've done, the, 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 the numbers are staggering, the millions of, of uh, adolescents who are having problems and the ones that are con- even contemplating suicide. It's really, uh, mm-hmm. it's really an eye-opener when you hear about it. Absolutely. So currently, suicide is the second leading cause of death among youth. In Pennsylvania, we actually, for our most recent year on record, we actually lost 242 youth between the ages of 10 and 24 to suicide. And um, other data that we've collected, so in Pennsylvania, we do the Pennsylvania Youth Survey. It's a voluntary survey that schools can participate in, and it's very similar to the National Youth Risk Behavior Survey that looks at a whole range of, you know, different risk and protective factors that students are dealing with in schools. And with this Pennsylvania Youth Survey, we are able to, you know, hear directly from youth. It's self-report. It's administered to middle and high school students. And from that survey, we know that it's about one in six students that report seriously considering suicide in the prior 12 months. Mm. And it's about one in 10 that are actually reporting that they attempt suicide. And then looking more at some of the risk factors, um, mental illness, it, it gets into some depressive symptomology-type questions, and students are reporting, so it's up to a third, around a third of students at the statewide level that are, you know, reporting that they are, you know, feeling sad and depressed most days during Uh the past 12 months. I know that it's, uh, in in the description of the grant, it's the youth suicide prevention, and that's your primary focus, although there's a broader screening applications too, correct? And we've actually done a lot of work through this project to help schools think more broadly about their suicide prevention efforts. So, you know, typically schools have really 
taken a reactive stance. So once a student comes forward and makes a comment or a statement or has demonstrated some other warning sign, they've stepped in to intervene. But really, a lot of the other efforts that schools are doing right now, for example, bullying prevention, trauma-informed practices, you know, mental health education, those are all getting at the risk factors for suicide. And so there's now this new focus on upstream approaches to suicide prevention, which look at reducing those risk factors and trying to build up protective factors even prior to the onset of suicidal thoughts and behaviors. So, you know, even though our grant is focused on suicide prevention, we really try to help schools think about it from that broader standpoint. Yeah, and also I guess there's a whole issue of uh, drugs, particularly with the opioid academic, which I believe your governor, Governor Wolf, has uh, declared an emergency in the Commonwealth. Yeah, absolutely. So all of that, uh, substance use, substance abuse, those are also risk factors. So that's something that we want to take into account when we help schools think about, you know, their broader efforts to prevent suicide in schools. Who are all? Who are some of the other stakeholders in this whole process of, of examining this uh, uh, this new problem and solutions for it? Well, really, um, you know, I think what we want to talk primarily about today is the screening efforts that we've had as part of this project. And that has typically, you know, been something that administrators um, have taken the lead on. There really has to kind of be a top-down decision-making to move toward this practice. Um, but at the same time, those that are carrying out the screens and meeting with students and implementing are the school mental health professionals, so like the school psychologists, school counselors, school social workers. And then, of course, we need parental consent to move forward in this and help parents understand the importance of why we would screen. And then at the end of the day, students obviously are, are really critical to this effort, and we need their buy-in. We get student assent for, for this practice as well. So, so when did this whole process of using data analytics for the behavioral health screening, when did that really begin? Well, this tool, this particular tool that, that we use through our project um, actually was first looked at in primary care settings. This is a relatively new tool to be looked at within the school setting. And, you know, the prior use really comes out of um, national recommendations from uh, the Joint Commission and the U.S. Preventive Services Task Force around universal screening for adolescent behavioral health within primary care settings. It's interesting because through the project that we're working on, we didn't initially propose to screen universally within the school settings. Initially, our focus was really on our statewide student assistance program infrastructure. And just to give a little background on that, this is a, a mechanism to refer students to teams in schools, student assistance program staff teams, that are trained and they have a community behavioral health liaison that sits on those teams. They, they receive referrals from anyone in the school community, including including the students themselves, around any type of barrier to learning, including possible behavioral health concerns. And so a student would get, um, you know, parental consent has to be secured for a student to go through this process. The team then decides if this is a student that would be a candidate for a screening, in which case that liaison would screen. And this is a more targeted approach, obviously. Um, so once those students are screened, those liaisons can then make recommendations to, you know, for either school-based supports and interventions or community-based supports, further evaluation or even treatment in the community. Um, now, when we were going around and meeting with schools and talking about our project, we had a couple of school districts that actually asked us, they approached us and asked if they could pilot this measure as a universal screener for their students because 
of, you know, well, one, one kind of reason, one impetus was the Pennsylvania Youth Survey data, recognizing that, you know, 16% of students are reporting on this survey that's administered that they're thinking about suicide. And it's an anonymous survey, so these schools really wouldn't otherwise be able to identify who these students are without screening directly or having these students referred in some other way. Now, the, um, the actual behavior, behavior criteria, I think the data elements that you're collecting, let's talk about that for a second. I think, uh, I think you, you call them domains. Can you just share with us what some of those, uh, some of those questions or some of those survey points are? Sure. So um, obviously, you know, first and foremost, we want to look at suicide risk. And so the survey asks for current suicide ideation or current or recent, which is really described as um, any ideation within the past week. And then it asks for a history of ideation. And the tool that we're using uses skip logic. So on average, it takes students about 10 to 15 minutes to go through, but obviously, depending on what items they endorse, other items pop up. So if students are endorsing those items related to suicide, then additional items will pop up to ask them about a plan or ask them about a prior attempt, for instance. Um, the other domains, uh, the other scales that are really looked at on this measure are depression, anxiety, trauma, eating disorder, um, and substance abuse are, are some of the other domains that we look at as, you know, significant risk factors and obviously other areas and avenues for early intervention efforts when they're identified. I see. Um, okay, we're going to take a short break now. My guest today is Dr. Perry Rosen, Project Director of the Garrett Lee Smith Youth Suicide Prevention Grant at the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania's Department of Human Services. You're listening to Ask the CIO, SLED Edition, on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm John Thomas Flynn. Federal News Radio is now Federal News Network. All the intel you need, all in one place. Technology. Ask the CIO. Defense. On DOD. Pay and benefits, breaking news, and daily headlines. On air at 1500 AM. Email alerts, ebooks, videos, webinars, and more at federalnewsnetwork.com. Welcome back to Ask the CIO, SLED edition on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm John Thomas Flynn, and my guest today is Dr. Perry Rosen, Project Director of the Garrett Lee Smith Youth Suicide Prevention Grant at the Pennsylvania Department of Human Services. Perry, before the break, we were discussing the juicy stuff, as I like to call it, the data you need, you needed and the technology solution that you are adopting uh, for a data analytics strategy, right. if you will. You need more than spreadsheets, I would assume, right? How did you discover the new process? What solutions and tools are you using? So uh, really, this is a tool that our grant team had used previously on other grants to screen in, in primary care settings. Um, and so now it's, it's moved into the school settings. And everything, it's, it's actually the platform that we're using is very easy. Um, it's easy for us to kind of pull that data, and it's also easy for schools because everything is web-based. When students go on for the screen, they log in just as they would for any other type of website, and uh, the score report generates instantly. So as far as efficiency goes, that makes it easy for school staff to, uh, you know, pull up that score report and look at that while the students are still there to do that next phase in the screening process, which would be the follow-up. They also have the ability to pull down aggregate data, which the school districts have used in, in a variety of ways to advocate around their school mental health and expand those services for students in the schools. 
Yeah. Um, you know, what is the actual technology solution? Are you a specific company you use? Or is it uh, so, home, a home-built system? No. So so this platform is through MD Logics, um, mm-hmm. and that's kind of the, the uh, organizer of the platform that uh, the behavioral health screen is based on. Okay. Well, you walked us through this a bit of the health screening process. You said the 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 student actually has a what a uh, uh, a tablet or something that that they take the uh, the survey or the exam or the screening tool with. Yes, exactly. So uh, they could use a tablet, they could use a desktop, they could use a laptop. Um, all it involves is that internet connection, and they can log in. Um, the schools have typically been setting this up in advance. So if they know that they're looking to screen ninth grade students, for example, they've entered all that information up front, and then students will have uh, like a login with a, a password so that they can go in and access the screen. As soon as they're done, they click submit, and then instantly that score report is available, and it can either be emailed to school staff or they can log back into the system to pull that screening report up for that specific student. Uh, And I assume from the sound of it, it's fairly simple to use, especially for for non-techies. Absolutely, yes. It's extremely simple. The schools have um, given very positive feedback about how it really does streamline the process to have everything online and have everything, you know, really generate very quickly that way. Well, it's always been my uh, experience that usually it's not the technology, it's the it's the process and the management and the, particularly the change management when introducing something, something new in, in an environment like this, uh, especially for the non-techies. I'm, I would assume that uh, uh, with, with, with uh, the analytics, you're asking the folks, uh, there must have been challenges. There must have been issues with parents and teachers and the, and the caseworkers, et cetera. Can you tell us how, what those problems were and how you addressed it? Sure. Well, you know, there, there absolutely were. Um, and a couple things, I think. So, so first and foremost, the school districts needed to develop procedures. So when you have a broad-based tool like this, there's a lot of potential issues that could arise. So they needed to go through a process with our support, of course, but they really needed to tailor it to the resources and capacity of their own districts. So we kind of, uh, with some guidance, left them to figure out the nuances of their procedures. But they really needed to come up with things like a decision tree. So at the end, when you pull up the screening report, you know, you have a lot of students that you're screening, so which issues are going to be addressed immediately, which issues may be addressed at a later time, what are your resources for how you're going to follow up on these issues, and so that's thinking about the resources available within the school as well as any community partnerships that they might need to be looking into as far as referrals go and things like that. Um, Our Garrett Lee Smith grant does require active parent consent for any screen. And so, you know, with active consent, um, you know, the limitation that does come up is that you tend to not be able to get the majority of, um, you know, students and parents on board. But the schools over the course of years of implementing this really change their approach to engaging parents and, you know, from year one where they just sent the consent forms home and waited for those to come back, they moved forward to taking a much more active approach where they were talking about this at back-to-school night, describing the importance of, you know, student wellness and how the school is really committed to serving the needs of the whole child, and then including this as just one of the regular forms that parents would receive at the start of the school year, which did significantly increase the number of consents that did come back, but uh, we've heard some feedback that once the grant ends, the, the schools are planning to continue this practice, and at least one of them is talking about moving to pa- uh, passes consent so that they're able to, 
you know, try to try to access more students as part of this process. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, and another uh, really significant concern, I think, was actually from the staff and just some of the attitudes around are we equipped to screen universally for these types of issues and are we really going to identify students that we don't know about already? And this is where the administrative leadership comes in very strongly, I think, because it was simply a matter of, yes, we're doing this. And, um, you know, and, and as a matter of fact, we do screen universally for a lot of other things like vision and hearing and scoliosis, which affects, you know, 2 to 3% of the population where we know that, you know, mental illness and suicide affect a much higher percentage. So it was sort of, you know, just kind of administration putting their foot down and having, you know, some champions from the mental health professionals. And then once the screenings actually were underway, I think that, the, well, at least the feedback that we heard from those schools is that those other mental health professionals really came around and said, wow, you know, we really are identifying students that weren't otherwise, you know, on our radar. We didn't know that the student was struggling in this way, and we are now able to to help them. Uh-huh. You know, Perry, uh, early on in our conversation, you mentioned some, briefly at least, some of the statistics from the behavioral health screening process. I know that you mentioned maybe only a couple of schools so far, but a lot more are beginning to opt in. But I think there were something like uh, 28 counties that are using the tool. In some of the cases, they're uh, the screenings that you've gotten so far in 2018. Can you go some of the uh, some of the findings that were identified? Sure. So I had mentioned that we're, so we're only doing this universally in two school districts, but we're all doing this a lot more broadly through those student assistance program agencies, and those are the more targeted screens. So currently we're screening in 45 agencies around the Commonwealth. It's more than 50% of our counties are having their SAP agencies screen with this tool. And those agencies are serving more than half of the public school districts in the Commonwealth. And so I'll kind of speak to what they're finding, and then I can compare that a little bit with these two schools that are screening universally within the school setting. Um, and so, again, these the students referred through student assistance program, there's a known concern, right? So it's a more targeted screen. From those students, um, it's about 7% that are screening positive for current suicide ideation. So that's over 500 students. Um, we've at the end of the day, so far through the project, screened almost 8,000 students through student assistance program. So over 500 students are screening positive for current suicide ideation. About a quarter, so 25%, are screening positive for a history of suicide ideation. And this is really interesting because, um, and I'll just make this quick point, Student assistance programs um, have been able to really identify a lot of students in need of behavioral health supports, but haven't always been the mechanism for identifying students with suicide risk. And this is mainly because these teams meet at scheduled times. So if you have a student presenting with, you know, who's talking about suicide in school, you need to obviously address that immediately. So you wouldn't refer them to a team that's going to meet the next week, for example. Um, So SAP hasn't always screened for suicide risk. And through these statewide efforts and through these agencies that are now you know, because they're all using the screener and they're screening students for suicide regardless of the referral question, the identification rates for students that are thinking about suicide has gone up significantly. And so there's more of a focus on making sure that regardless of the referral reasons, so whether it might be trauma or family issues or behavior problems or depression, those are all risk factors for suicide. And so it's at the state level kind of helps us to think about how 
you know, we really should be screening for suicide risk in all of these instances, even when it's not at the forefront of why we're making this referral. So that's been a really interesting realization that's kind of come out of that data. Um, and then to speak for a second about the universal screening, obviously with the general population of students, we're not going to see as many students that are going to screen positive as we would for those that are already showing some risk, right? Um, but what we found, so we've, we've screened about 950 students through the universal screening efforts in these two districts. And there were 16 students that were identified at current risk of suicide. Um, and altogether, looking at current risk and history of suicide, that totaled to about 16%. And I think what's interesting about that percentage is that it matches that Pennsylvania Youth Survey data that I was talking about earlier. So, but, but the thing to think, of, think about there is that that's anonymous data. So schools are finding out, hey, 16% of our students are thinking about suicide, but we don't necessarily know who they are, whereas now they're getting a very comparable percentage when they use the universal screening measure and they're identifying those students so they know and they can now connect them with those supports and services. I would assume that as you're rolling this out uh, across the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, uh, do you see other states moving in this direction? What do you know about that? So I have had some conversations with some other states about this. Um, we've presented at a few national conferences, and there have been other presentations focused on universal mental health or behavioral health screening. Um, so it is definitely a growing area of interest. Schools have looked into this, although it's something that isn't, well-researched. So I think that's definitely an area of need moving forward. But we uh, have, you know, our, our um, No Child Left Behind was reauthorized a couple of years back to the Every Student Succeeds Act. And the the way that accountability is described in that legislation is really expanded. So it's not just as focused now on the academic piece. Schools actually have to use 20% um, of their Title IV Part A funding for efforts to address student well-being. And so I think there is this growing interest, especially, in, again, given sort of recent events in the current climate, um, this uncertainty that we have around school safety and what to do about it, that schools, you know, other states are, are really looking into, into things like this. We're about ready to wrap up here, Perry. So why don't you close with telling us what happens next? So I think that as far as Pennsylvania goes, we're looking to consider having some other schools on board with us. We only have one more year of the grant. Um, but universal screening was actually something that was highlighted in our school safety task force report. We had those series of um, meetings, and that was a recommendation, a promising practice that was suggested to be looked at. So we're going to continue to work with schools to try to come up with, you know, some better uh, more standardized procedures that we can use to help guide schools. And then, of course, as I mentioned, this is just something that really needs to be looked at more in the research to, to figure out, you know, what is the most efficient way to do this? What is the long-term impact? And, you know, how can this really be integrated into the school's broader mental health efforts to support students? I want to thank our guest today, Dr. Perry Rosen, the project director of the Garrett Lee Smith Youth Suicide Prevention Grant at the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania's Department of Human Services. And thank you for listening. Content for this state and local program, which also includes curated news, original articles by yours truly, and other more esteemed authors, is part of the recently expanded AskTheCIO.com. Hope you can join us again each Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time or listen to a podcast afterwards. 
Until then, bye for now. I'm John Thomas Flynn. You've been listening to Ask the CIO, SLED Edition with John Thomas Flynn on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Tune in Thursday mornings at 11 or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One.